Cinema Spectator, a movie podcast, is produced because of listeners like you. If you want to support our show, you can share it, give us a rating on iTunes, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ecfsproductions, where you can throw a couple dollars our way and get access to our exclusive content. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch classic movies to see if they hold up for the modern viewer. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with both Isaac Ransom and Juzo Greenwood today. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm good. I, I got a haircut today. Wow. Um, so I'm feeling a little fresh. I Honestly, I walked in looking like a complete mess, and my barber did not hold back. He was like, you really... Like, like, you know, they charge extra for the beard trim and he like started trimming my beard and I stopped. I said, Hey, you know, you don't have to trim it. You know, I can't, I don't want to pay. And he's like, no, I'm just offering. And I was like, that kind of hurts. I, you know, I was like, I know I look ratty, but, and he's like, no, just let me, you know, and I was just like, let oh, me. Oh, okay. So it was uh, like the, the opening scene to full metal jacket, you know, he's, that's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. No, no. So he, he helped me out. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but it's funny before he started recording, I, I have like the weirdest barber story that's unrelated to this. We were talking about the Oscar nominations. And uh, talking about how some people are upset that Barbie didn't get nominated enough. And Juzo, you mentioned Hillary Clinton tweeting about it, which, which, <laughs> sorry to start so unhinged, but um, it's weird. I always have the weirdest barbers. This guy I've been going to uh, right now, Alex, he's very cool. He's not one of the weird ones. He's just really quiet. Uh, but the more I've gotten him to talk a little bit, like I think I've learned some things about him. Where I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You know, you're allowed to be. You're allowed to be quiet, you know. Uh, he doesn't have much to say. I kind of prefer it that way. Um, but one time I had this barber. Uh, I had never had him before. I, like, walked in. It was one of those places that you don't book your individual guy. Uh, it's just, like, kind of you walk in and get a haircut. And this dude, like, he just kind of had, like, this crazy look. And some bar – there's, like, this thing. I've, I've talked to Alex, my barber, uh, about this where there's um, – there are some barbers that are, like, pro politic talk and others that are like <laughs> anti politic talk huh. and uh yeah the, i was just thinking about this experience you brought up hillary clinton uh i stopped going to this one barber shop because this one guy cutting my hair um was just getting very political in the conversation but then he was getting like super heated you know <laughs> heated about hillary clinton specifically then he started saying things that would have the fbi like you know hold the earpiece a little closer <laughs> uh, to their ear about hillary clinton and the whole time i didn't know how to respond uh because i was like i want to say like i don't necessarily agree with you but the more he got fired up the more aggressively he was like cutting my hair and the more he was like pulling on my hair so i really didn't know what i was supposed to do in that situation you know i'm like I was sitting there. So anyways, I was just thinking about that uh, when Alex was cutting my hair because, you know, he did a good job and he didn't freak out about politics. That's so you funny. Know? You're like, but, uh, you're trapped. You're like a, a a prisoner of war. You're like stuck in this yeah. chair. Yeah. I mean, he was saying some <laughs> radical stuff. And he's like, don't you think? Don't you think? You know, Hillary Clinton, you know, lock her. We got to lock her up. You know, we got to get rid of her. I was like, I was like, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, and, and he was like, don't you agree? And he's like pulling he's on my hair. hair. 
<laughs> Whatever you want, man. Just get me out of here. You know? <laughs> like, uh, that's so funny. Um, yes. Well, Juzo, welcome back. Um, I know we talked about Tokyo Story last week. Um, yeah, I'm sorry I, think I had to got miss a- that. No, no worries. Um, you got a chance to watch it, though, right? I did. I did for the first time in a long time. And uh, yeah, I don't want to, you know, spend too much time since we have another movie. But um, yeah, as I kind of expected, I I really enjoyed revisiting it. It was really um, quite a beautiful movie. I think I I think ultimately my favorite is still late spring um, of the ones I've seen. But I don't know. I don't I don't know what I was getting from Tokyo Story the first time I saw it. (laughs) Like, I kind of remember the basic outline, but. It was basically like I was watching it with no emotion or any kind of engagement or understanding about what the movie was about. And now it was totally, you know, just very resonant. And um, I don't know, Setsu Kohara is just such a wonderful actress in that movie. Such a wonder. I was thinking her presence in, in movies is like almost like as wholesome as like Paddington or something. Like she just has mm. such a kind uh, w- sort of vibe about her. Um and Chichi Ru also in that that movie is is, is wonderful. Um, so yeah, no, it, it was it was a really nice movie to to revisit. And uh, yeah, so it's funny how this really sneak up on you because that's like man, two two hours and fifteen minutes. I was really kind of like, oh, this is dragging. I watch it for you know twenty minutes. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna have to turn this off. And then by the end, I'm like completely completely locked in, uh, just as I was with Late Spring. Um, so he, you know, he always, uh, he rewards your patience. I think, as I said before, um, it's definitely the case with that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you get a chance to watch anything else while we were away? Yeah, I'll, I'll try and speed through a few things, but there's a few things I'm interested to talk about. Um, let's see for mixed class. I watched a movie actually from, uh, 96 years ago called the mysterious lady with Greta Garbo, which is pretty good. Um, I watched, uh, while I was the point where I was very sick, a couple Soderbergh movies again, magic Mike's last dance, which is pretty fun. And, uh, no sudden move, which I quite like. Um, I watched this series. Have you guys heard of the series called the North water? Did I talk no. to you guys about this? No, no. It's. I think you guys would dig this. I mean, it's only on AMC, so I'm not sure if you have to. It's. It's a bit challenging to get, but if you can get it, um, it it stars Colin Farrell and Jack O'Connell as these guys who are basically on a whaling ship, um, on this mi- mission to like the North, like Arctic, basically. And I think a lot of it is filmed on location. Like it looks absolutely freezing, and it really has kind of a vibe of like. I guess I would say like master and commander, like one of these great guys on a boat movies mm-hmm. crossed with almost like apocalypse now where it's just like things are getting crazier and crazier and more sort of a little bit surreal as it goes on. And Colin Farrell is just an absolute like <laughs> unit in this show. Like he's just completely like this bulked up uh, animal of a man. And um it's just awesome. And it was it's such an interesting contrast because I saw this guy's movie, All of Us Strangers, which is like this like gentle, absolutely beautiful, quiet um, romance movie, basically. And then to see that with, you know, contrasted with a five hour 
serious about a bunch of these like men going nuts as they are hunting whales in the Arctic uh, was just pretty awesome. So would highly recommend the North water. Very, very good show. Mm. Um, I rewatched how green is my Valley for the film club. Definitely my favorite John Ford movie. I'm like, I'm locking it in. It's just a beautiful movie. Um, I watched a few movies by some of my favorite directors um, through, I'm not going to say, uh, well, I'm not going to say how I obtained these movies, but, you know, maybe not through conventional means. Um, through some directors who, uh, well, some of them are sort of canceled. In one case, he's just a movie that has not really been released yet, or I don't know if it's a pre-release, but Errol Morris had this movie called Tune Out the Noise that was, I think, made basically for a company, this, like, investment firm called Dimensional Fund Advisors. I have no idea if you guys have heard of this, but he basically made a movie about them and it's like the most boring thing ever and I, I hated it. But I'm like, I don't know, any movie where they start talking about the the markets or investment, my brain just goes blank and I don't, you know, it's like when we try to make Isaac watch, you know, a movie from 1928. It's just, you know, it's just not really nice. But, I, you know, I had to watch it for Errol. You know, I got I had to check it out. And uh, so... Would not recommend that. Um, I watched uh, the new Woody Allen movie called Coup de Chance. Um, Woody Allen, having been outcast from America, has gone to France to make a movie entirely in the French language, which I'm sure you guys will be pleased about. Um, <laughs> yeah, I won't and... be watching that. <laughs> yeah, well, I would even if it was... Uh, I don't even really think it's, it's good enough to, to spend any time with because it's... It was interesting. It kind of got good reviews when it came to Venice. A lot of people were saying, hey, it's a return to form for old man Woody. And I think it's probably people are being generous because he's been pretty hit or miss lately. Though I have to say, Rifkin's Festival, his movie before that, I'm a big fan of this. Excellent film. Um, but I think it's, I partly just like it because I think Wallace Shawn is so funny. Um, this movie, Coup de Chance, was kind of just like a, I don't know, it was like kind of a pretty banal crime movie like it wasn't bad it was just kind of one of those movies that i was like i was pretty entertained watching it but um it ended i was like well that was that was stupid you know um i think i, I texted tim like the meme of the guy who's like his brain is so big he's sitting on it or whatever because that's how i felt like woody was when he wrote that movie um and then i watched uh roman polanski 90 years old uh <laughs> also had a movie at venice last year called the palace um, and this movie was absolutely terrible and I would not, and I don't recommend it. I'm not just saying that because Roman Polanski is a horrible person. Like I, I thought his last movie was actually pretty good. Um, but this movie was as bad as people said it was, it was pretty stupid. Mm. Um, kind of a little triangle of sadness esque, like esque, like he's kind of trying to do a, um, a bit of a, um, oh, what do you call it? Like a class commentary. Um, but boy. That was that was bad. Crazy. Also, John Cleese is in the movie. He's playing like a 90 year old Southerner wow. with a, a trophy wife. And, and Mickey Rourke is in the movie. Like it's all these sort of has beens because like almost no one will work with Polanski at this point. Um, but yeah, a, a truly just a hideous movie. Um, and then the other movie I watched in this interim was uh, Matchstick Man, which I, I would guess you guys probably talked about last week. But yeah. um, what was the vibe like on that? You guys did you guys like that? Yeah, we were. I I really liked it. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. You know, yeah. love love Cage. 
love that it's kind of like a silly role in a otherwise more or less serious movie, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of lighthearted too, um, yeah. but also very, very grim <laughs> in a in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I I was thinking about it. Um, you know, after we after we had watched it, so yeah, yeah, I'm big fan of that movie. I had a really fun time watching with you guys. Isaac, did you enjoy the film? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've been thinking about it a lot still. I think it hmm. could have been one of those films that um would be very run of the mill, but for some reason, the right people got behind it. Uh, mm-hmm. and the right people were cast, and it just mm-hmm. kind of comes together in something that's more memorable than it really should be. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's got a lot of charm. I totally, I think it was a great choice uh, to watch as a group. Um, it made me want to watch more Nicolas Cage movies too. So uh, mm. don't watch Lord of Lords of War or whatever. That, that <laughs> one is. I've heard that one's good. Really? I was like so bored by it when I tried to watch it a long time ago. It was just like stupid. It was just like I didn't I did not I was not in the mode, you know. Mm. Yeah. Know well, with luckily with Nicolas Cage, there's a lot where that came from. So, yeah, you, you, you'll you have a lot of stuff to run through before running out of options. Yeah. I really want to see his new movie, but it's buy only right now. So, yeah. Yeah. I want. Yeah. When it. that goes down in price, would highly recommend that. That was that was a funny movie. Really good. It seems like the right pace for for what I want to watch from him. And I've been yeah. trying to convince Jules to watch Pig with me. I even told mm. her that, you know, yes, it's sad for the pig, but that's not really the point of the movie. I've been trying to, spo- I'm like, I'm like, just give it a chance because it really subverts your expectation for what it is, you know? Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, pig it's, quiet, a, it's a quiet movie, but that's excellent. A wonderful, that's one of his best. Movie. Yeah. Instead, I uh, made Juliana watch a bunch of other movies this week. I actually watched movies this week. Wow. I'll oh. start with, uh, and I think it's because I've been just hungry for something outside of Ozu. Sort of <laughs> where I've been. Uh, I We can start with the bottom of the barrel, uh, which is a movie I watched called I Think I Love My Wife. It's, uh, it, it's a Chris Rock yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know why we chose to watch it. It just looked like the right, uh, kind of film for uh, date night. Jolene was like, I want to watch something kind of silly. And we honestly gravitate towards some movies that just look horrible. And she was like, yes, this looks horrible. Let's watch this. Uh, and he yeah, directed it, this one. It was pretty, um, it was pretty like not too great. It kind of goes on for too long. There's a couple jokes here and there, but um Juliana made a good point. She's like, movies like this need to be studied because it feels like they're just they just don't exist. You know, it kind of has that uh, that two thousands vibe of <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I feel like the last two thousands vibe movie I could think of is like Seventeen again or something. I can't think of a mm. movie that's kind of just happy go lucky. And this and the subject matter of this movie is like really weird. Where like Chris Rock like basically isn't having sex with his wife, so he's like kind of setting himself up for uh, an affair. And that's kind of like the main push of the film. It's like kind of got very strange tone throughout it. Uh, and then it also fumbles the tone uh, with comedy, which is what you prefer. You know, you're like, I'd rather it just be funny, but then it, <laughs> it like, I don't know. Like it's just not worth watching. I gotta be honest. Um, I, I, but 
I found out some interesting info about it, which is that it's it's a remake of a French movie. It's a remake of an Eric Romer movie, mm. and it's co-written by Rock and by Louis C.K. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely like a gag here or there that will get you, but um, I don't know. It, it was pretty forgettable. But um, the other movie that I watched that was goofy and not forgettable, in my opinion. Uh, is Tremors. I made Juliana watch the original Tremors. I love this movie. It was because we were watching a SpongeBob episode where there's like a big worm that Sandy <laughs> says she's going to beat. And I was like, we got to watch Tremors, you know? And she was like, I don't want to watch this. We got through it. So I'd say that was good. Did Juliana like it? I don't know. She thought, I think she thought it was all right, um, which is better than what she th- thought it was at the beginning, which was, she was like, I hate this. Um, but I think the film does a great job uh, just kind of setting up the world and then kind of doing like I, I, it really feels it, it, it like incites some like youthful childlike emotions in me where the characters are kind of playing the floors lava throughout the whole movie. And I just love it. I just think it's um, I, I, I it's very charming to me. Um, and, the, and the cast does a great job with it. So, yeah. A, a famous kind of B movie um, that stood the test of time. I still recommend it. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've always wanted to see that. Yeah. Oh yeah, you got to see it, Judo. I definitely think you, you would like. It. I mean, it's 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 kind of like um, I don't know how the, how to fully say it, but it's like kind of a buddy duo, and it, it's got just that sort of eighties uh, action goof side of it. Um, but they do they do a great job with kind of introducing the monster of the movie and and kind of um, setting up all these characters and how they interact with with kind of facing this uh, sort of thing. Um, I don't know. It has like this isolation aspect that I really like in, in movies like this. Um, I think it's what I like about The Hateful Eight. We we're talking about Tarantino stuff before the, sh- the show started. Um, but you kind of get a lay of the land and then they're stuck there and the land becomes like a character, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, I don't think it's anything profound, but it sure is enjoyable. So I mm. recommend nice. uh, Tremors. And the last movie I watched was Interstellar. Sort of uh. an accident. <laughs> I turned it on, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday because I was like, I just want to watch something and we don't have to watch the whole thing. And then it was 1 a.m. and we finished it. So um, it was one. Of, it's one of those movies that just kind of hooks you. Every time I watch Interstellar, um, I think it just solidifies my opinion that it's Nolan's best film. Um, and I also think it's his most human film, his most emotional film. Uh, it isn't even necessarily... Um, it doesn't even make like the most sense at times, but I just think that like there's so much kind of dripping from it that every viewing, like I get something sort of new that I didn't expect. Like for some reason, um, the part with, uh, Anne Hathaway, they have to choose between two planets after going to the first one. She has like this speech about like love. That's very cheesy. But for some reason, it just hit me like on, on this viewing. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know why, like what she's saying makes like complete sense to me where she's basically like, you know, science. I don't I don't know. Like, but there's got to be something about uh, love, you know, and I was like, whoa, 
I didn't realize like Nolan had goes to those levels <laughs> in this film, you know? Uh, so yeah, interstellar. My recommendation is if you haven't seen it, see it. If you've already seen it, watch it again. I kind of feel like Nolan got like bullied for that, that movie or for, for, <laughs> for having scenes like that in that movie. And then his response to that was to like, remove that part of himself like his last three movies have been very much in the other direction you know yeah. there's no big speeches about the power of love in dunkirk or tenet or oppenheimer and i don't know i feel like we kind of i don't know it's like we gave him too much of a wedgie about that and like it was just kind of i hope he goes back to it that's all i'm saying well if you think about um you, you think about a movie like even the dark knight rises which is very like um, it's like dripping with a certain sense of of like allegory and you know there are these like political things that are happening in the world and you know there's all these even the end of the dark knight too but there's like there's something very like you know his heart is on his sleeve in those movies in some ways even if they're batman movies mm-hmm. but you're right that after after interstellar like people thought he took it took it too far <laughs> um and he he just really hasn't gone back since which i i never thought about but i think you're totally right yeah i just i hope he you know i hope he gains the self-confidence to say hey i'm gonna you know put my heart on my sleeve again and be i i i sometimes think great movies and even great art exists in a space of like going right up into the point of it being insanely embarrassing <laughs> and like not quite going over the line, but but definitely dancing on it. Mm. You know, I think uh, and I think Nolan has been someone who is like, I don't know, he can get away with having a big speech like that. I mean, it's pretty corny, but I don't know. I mean, like McConaughey and watching the, his video of his children. I mean, that's not corny. That's like deeply moving in that movie. I think I think it really works. Right. Ninety percent um, of the emotional beats, I think, are home runs. It's yeah. just sad that oh, they're yeah. like like the other ten percent. Some of them just kind of come out um, not as effective as the other moments, or there's something breaking about them. Um, but I do I do still think I would rather prefer that than uh, the cold arms length Nolan that we got with Oppenheimer. Um, yeah, which, yeah. I don't know if I'd say it's completely cold, but it's definitely colder. Um, and definitely Tenet felt like that. Though I mean, I don't know. Tenet's kind of it's going for a different. Th- I'm already playing the Tenet debate here, but uh, <laughs> playing ten- Tenet devil's advocate. Um, and to be fair, to be fair to Dunkirk too. Okay, Dunkirk, as much as it's you know you think about it and and you're like yeah it's it's kind of an action movie blah blah blah. It doesn't have like characters or whatever. There are moments of that movie that people still made fun of him for the the sort of emotional beats, which to me, those were the mo- moments that hit the hardest. Like when oh. Kenneth Branagh is like looking at all the boats, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> he, he looks over the water, the channel and he's like, he's yeah, like, my friend what thought is that it? was corny. Yeah. You know, home. And I'm like, yeah, that's I start crying every time that. <laughs> oh, it's so <laughs> moving. No, it's so great. I, I, I mean, no, yeah, I should I should be clear here. I, I mean, Tenet is or Dunkirk is like a deeply moving movie. It's not to say it's there's no emotion in the movie. Um, 
it's just the heart on his sleeve kind of embarrassing stuff that I, <laughs> I, mean, I kind of like. It's like the uh, it's like people making fun of the end of the Lord of the Rings, right? You were mm, uh, yeah, G- Gizzo, you're true. talking about like people laughing in the theater. It's like <laughs> that was you my know, friends, <laughs> you know. That's I mean, like I get where that's coming from, but at the same time, like doesn't that make you? Um, it's like it's like I don't. It, it's something I've been thinking about with like music too. Is like I don't need you to be cool. I really mm. hate artists that are like I'm cool, or or they like just have this swagger about them. Because most of the time, like you can't pull it off, and that's not you a hundred percent of the time, you know. And so like there's a part of me that that kind of that loves and revels in like the artist that's like self-aware and has the guts to still like embarrass themselves you know oh um, sure that's like that's that's the real stuff so nolan yeah. embarrass yourself more for me <laughs> all right i mean peter jackson probably got hate for that for that ending but it's like that is like i would i would say that like the people who laugh at that ending didn't have the ability to consume the end what i was i was just gonna say that my friends who were laughing we were all 14 years old. I don't know if I was actually laughing. I might have just been laughing because they were laughing. Right. But anyway, we were all 14 years old. I'm sure if I saw it now, I'd be like bawling. Like it's it's a very emotional movie. Um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, there's a lot of there's a there's a, a surplus of irony in in movies recently, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and on, and then I think also by contrast, there is also the thing of like where I was talking about being embarrassing and then tipping into being too embarrassing. I think there are some movies that are so kind of going for big emotion, they go too far. Like I felt, I kind of felt that about everything everywhere all at once, actually. It was a little bit kind of like, okay, this is like so sentimental. It's like, I'm not really getting that much out of it. Um, but it's, yeah, to write about that line. I mean, to talk about Ozu, I really, what I really love about his movies is how much, the characters are holding in these emotions and for so much of the movie. And then there, there's like always will be a moment where a character kind of just like comes out and says like, like when Setsuka Hara is talking about her disappointment in um, with, isn't life disappointing at the end of mm-hmm. Tokyo story where it's just like the character just comes out and in after a whole movie of these things being sort of held back and just like putting it out there in such stark terms is just incredibly powerful. Um, but you have to do that sparingly because if you have people doing that through the whole movie or if it's too, if Anne Hathaway was giving speeches about love for the other, you know, 160 <laughs> minutes of that movie, it would be bad. Like that would be not well, good. Well, I, I really um, think that it's like establishing tone, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. like Lord of the Rings does have the characters reflecting on their emotional states throughout the entire thing. And even Interstellar mm-hmm. has those emotional beats being explored before they ever go up into space. Right. That's what makes some of those things work. I think with everything everywhere, the reason it didn't work for me as well is that it's, it tricked me into thinking it was a different movie for, for the first half. I was like, I really like the first half movie. And then it does this switch up where I'm like, yeah, I don't, Mm -hmm. I didn't really want that, you know? And that's, that's, that's fine if everybody else just agreed to have it resonate with them. But like, that's not the first half of the movie at all. Right. Yeah. So, um, I know people could probably 
tear that apart. It's like, well, you know, like the beginning and the laundromat and all that stuff. It's all set people, up. People really like the movie. I mean, it's, again, we don't need to relitigate it, but th- th- there, are, there are good things about it. Um, what about you, Cameron? What have you been watching this this uh, last week? Uh, Nothing. I watched the football game last night. That was fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, Boo. But, yeah. No sports on this show. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no uh, really nothing other than this Ozu movie that we're about to talk about. So Great, great. Well, hey, if you enjoy the show, just listening to it helps us. Sharing the show helps the show. Giving us a rating on podcast services and sharing it course with friends and family or people that actually you know would enjoy the cinematic conversation all of that helps if you like it and you want to donate uh, to the production of this you can go to patreon.com slash ecfs productions get our exclusive content over there uh, at the one dollar level and you can also write in questions to the show that we'll read patrons this is a reminder make sure you write in uh, i think most of them have forgotten their logins but that's okay. I do get notified. So just shoot the message across and we'll read questions on air. I'm sure plenty of Ozu questions exist. Like, I'm why sure. have you done this I, I, for a whole I, month? Oh, uh, yeah. I'll bet the audiences are just clamoring with all this yeah, Ozu content. That's right. That's They're right. smashing that like button. Yeah. <laughs> we should take a poll on how many of our audience has ever even heard of an Ozu movie. And it's probably going to be very few. But hey, look, that's what we're here for. We're here to educate you. Okay. <laughs> that's right. Tim, that's right. watch the movie. Don't just be educated on it. Yeah. Yeah. Watch the movie. Yeah. Watch the movie, too. <laughs> well, oh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you if you should watch this one. All right. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. Cameron, give us some background. Yeah. So this is often considered um, Ozu's darkest film in a lot of ways um deals with some pretty heavy subject matter is a much more bleak and pessimistic movie than a lot of his others although you you do see shades of um of bleakness i think in all of his movies um and in fact um i'll just give you a little insight into the the man who was ozu um he actually uh, I believe he died unmarried um, and he, you know, never had any children and his grave is unmarked. All it says is the Japanese phrase for nothingness. So, you know, he's someone. <laughs> and can I add? I looked yeah. at, I saw a photo of his grave and, and what people, because he was known for being such a hard drinker, people leave like bottles of alcohol by his grave, including a look like a full uh, thing of Jack Daniels <laughs> on top of his grave. So yeah. That was who Ozu was. Yeah. Um, oh, it's all coming together. It's all so, coming together right now. So I think it is interesting in sort of contrast to his a lot of his movies where he's he's sort of struggling to to grapple with the family, even in this movie where his his conclusion is essentially that family is like the most important thing. You know, that family is like what what holds people together. Um, and he's someone who, who never, never had a family. So I do think that's an interesting sort of contradiction for him. Um, but I think as an insight into how, um, how dark some of the, the rabbit holes in his, in his mind were, I do think this movie really taps into, um, some of that, some of that depth, some of that darkness. Um, this is a movie about, two sisters um, who 
the first, the elder sister is uh, at the moment of the start of the movie, she's sort of away, estranged from her husband. Um, it's implied that there's a little bit of, of abuse there potentially, um, but it's—I don't—I wouldn't say it's—it's it's all that clear. Um, it's just she's unhappy with with her marriage most mostly. Mm-hmm. She leaves um, with her two-year-old daughter and stays with with her father, um, also staying at uh, at her, you know the father's house is uh, her younger sister who. Um, it's revealed she's she's in college or studying um, to be in English. To she's studying English shorthand. I'm not entirely sure what that means in in the context of what her work would be. Maybe a court reporter or something like that. But um, she is, uh, yeah. So she's she she in an interesting turn for Ozu movies. Um, the movie is actually about. Uh, the younger sister, who uh, is not Setsuko Hara, <laughs> um, and is kind of a, a window into her life in a lot of ways, though I think both of them play a very important role. Um, the younger sister is kind of going through a tumultuous time where she's trying to find her, her boyfriend, who's you know obviously avoiding her, um, and she tells him some kind of big news that, that she's pregnant. Um, and she asks... Uh, she has to deal with those those sorts of consequences um and the movie follows her her decision making process and in some ways it follows her sort of life unraveling around her um and it's a very it's a very bitter movie it's a very dark movie um it's one that i think is is beautifully made in terms of of how it looks i mean it's just so gorgeous um and you know, I think it's to me. I mean, it's one of the best performances that Ozu has ever directed, uh, which is Aniko Arima. Um, I, I, I truly think you know she she has some of the most you know devastating scenes in all of Ozu's filmography. So um, I'm curious to hear what you guys thought about it, Isaac. If you want to go first. Sure. Yeah. Um, I thought that this movie was not as good as the other ones that we've watched. Um, I side with some of the critics that I read before this show uh, because I, I looked through it and, and it seems like there's a certain crowd that's like 10 out of 10. This movie um, is like 100% what you've got to see. It's like his his most like darkest most you know heaviest movie that's like the the language used around this um but there's a review on imdb that that gave it a six out of ten and it it says minor ozu still worth seeing Uh, and he basically goes through all a bunch of the movies some of them include the ones that we watched um saying that you know it's it it doesn't like resonate as strongly as as some of the other other films that we watched, particularly Tokyo Story, um, Light Spring, and The Only Son. I think those kind of have that um, strong. There there seems to be like a strong lesson coming out of those movies. Um, 
some sort of resolution. This movie doesn't seem to resolve for me. Um, I know that, you know, there are things being said at the end of the film, but to be honest, I just wanted it to be over. Um, the more that they, they, they continually revealed kind of like, um, dark elements of this film. Like I'm like, yeah, you know, for, for the fifties, this is really mature, really serious. Um, I think what's sad is that it's, you know, it is modern. Like it, it seems like a, a modern movie. And that's my favorite thing about Ozo Ozu films is that they, um, most of them seem to stand, uh, if, if they were made today, the, the contents of the movie would still be, um, would still be relevant, I think. Um, but yeah, this, this film was definitely one that it's like, I understood it. I didn't feel it, uh, for some reason I couldn't seem to like connect with it. Although I do believe that it is, it is his prettiest film. Um, I, I think visually it, it was, uh, stunning and it does a great job with the visuals. Um, I honestly believe my lackluster response to this movie has been the fact that we've watched a month of, of this director. Um, I don't hate him, but I am really tired of his, of his movies. <laughs> um, and, and this, this, this film, like where the cast is like the same cast. I'm like, I just, I, how am I supposed to get through this? You know, like I, I, I'm sitting there. I'm like, it, it's just introducing more depressing elements into a family and the family's the same family. You know, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm, and then I'm struggling. I'm like, who, wait, is somebody the mother or the daughter? Now I'm confused. Cause I thought they're changing I, I, it up. You know, I, that does get me a little sometimes because yeah. I think he, the sister in this movie, the father's sister is his daughter in Tokyo story. But the eight Chichiru yeah. looks much older in Tokyo Story because they're actually aging him so he can be the father of these older actors. So right. it is a funny, right. funny aspect of these all these movies. Yeah. So overall, I mean, I think like kind of the drama and the spider web unveiling. Um, I could see how people were invested, but I didn't seem I didn't feel that um, like interested. And what was going on? I felt like I, I felt like I was missing some kind of stakes, you know. I don't know if it was because I wasn't, I didn't like love the characters, mm. right? Like I wasn't concerned about any of them. It felt like throughout the film. Instead, I was just witnessing, you know, people having kind of a clashing relationship in this movie, and how it kind of, it's like a tragedy that it felt. It, it felt very much kind of like a classical tragedy in some sort of way which you know you read something like romeo and juliet and it's like i don't really care about romeo and juliet you know <laughs> i just kind of like i witness what Who happens cares about to these them kids you know yeah it's like I, i'm just witnessing what happens to them right mm -hmm. um i do think that there is a lot of emotion in the acting although i'm mixed about the lead of this film i don't know like there's a lot of like reservation shown um, and a lot of the emotion is conveyed through silent like looks or like body language and whatnot. And I know a lot of people would be like, Oh, that's, 
it's like profound. It's like amazing. But like after a while, I was kind of like, I just like, I just wasn't feeling any of it, you know? And I think that that's where I really began to disconnect. So my kind of takeaway from this movie is I feel like I don't have much to say because it just didn't click with me. Um, it felt like I was kind of hitting plot points to prepare for a conversation in English class is what I kind of felt towards the end of the movie. Um, and I think the biggest hit against it is that Ozu, like I've just seen too many Ozu movies. I think my decision from the month is Tokyo story deserves to be his, his, uh, his most known film. I, I understand where that's coming from. Um, and the more, the further I get away from Tokyo story, the more I'm like, yeah, that one resonated the most with me. Uh, even though I was a little hard on it last week, um, the content of it just felt really relevant. And, um, man, there, there are like so many gems in that movie from like the, the friends drinking together to, um, Oh my God. You know, like, that was so uh, funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's like, there's, there are scenes like that where I'm like, man, this is just an excellent moment. I look at Tokyo Twilight. I'm like, I don't know if I have, I, I don't think I can pick a moment. I mean, there's like devastation, right? I mean, whether it's confrontation with the birth mother um, and kind of the buildup with that or, or going to the clinic, right? Very, I mean, that's like a very modern thing to tackle, right? Um, but they just kind of, they, they're events that are tragedy. They're not moments that I'm thinking about the next day. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's kind of what yeah. isn't clicking with me on this film. So Juzo, I'd love to know what you, what you think. And also uh, in comparison, this is the latest Ozu movie that we're going to watch uh, compared to his earlier work. Where do you sit with this? Yeah, his last movie in black and white, actually. Yeah, it's kind of mean you didn't let Isaac watch a color movie, at least. I <laughs> uh, can't remember. Just suffering. <laughs> Neither here Just nor suffering. there, I guess. Yeah, I did love how this movie looked. It was really quite something how it was kind of because all his movies it is true his movies are i re, i was realizing he's actually a little reminiscent of woody allen i think it was the opening when i started realizing he does exactly the same opening credit sequence in every movie mm -hmm. much like woody allen um i was thinking like yeah they kind of they use a lot of the same actors he they have a similarity of theme um and and similar types of stories both of them like um, but this is kind of the equivalent of like when Woody makes like match point or something or goes really, um, though, honestly, I don't, I can't think of a Woody movie that's this bleak, maybe interiors. I mean, this movie was so bleak and so depressing. Um, it, it, it certainly did take me aback because I, I think, um, I mean, all those movies are depressing in, in their own ways, but they have a certain lightness to them or or there's a sense of humor. And then also just the way they look, they don't have this shadowy. This felt like it was like mm -hmm. film noir. Um, I, I mean, I know all three of the last ones are post-war, but this felt like the third man, like very post-war kind of angst. And um, also the the weather to set, make it set during the winter versus, I, I feel like Tokyo Story is kind of like they're, they're fanning themselves. It's like summer, yeah. I think. Um, so. this it's like he's getting under the blanket and they've you know the snow is starting to fall like it really has an evocative 
um, it's very evocative of, of the uh, weather and the feeling that they're going through. Um, and I, yeah, I found this to be impactful. I think I would say it wasn't quite as much as the other two, though sometimes with Ozu, I just don't know if it's because I've just, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm tired watching it or it's like, I'm, I'm not, my mood isn't just hitting the exact right way. You know, like I'd be curious to go back and watch the only son now and say like, Oh, now that I've kind of acquired the taste for it, I might like it a lot more than I did that first time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I will say, I think part of what makes this movie a little bit less, um, not less engaging because it was engaging, but it doesn't quite lat didn't latch onto me. Like the other two was, it feels a little bit more scattered. There's something about it that's a little bit more um, discursive than the previous two, and particularly late spring, which is has, has such a tack like focus on those two characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing interesting I thought he was doing in this movie was um, following different characters who are like on the fringes of the movie and like sort of lingering yeah. on people who are not like the protagonist will leave the room. And then you'll sit for like another three minutes while her friends talk about her or even the, the guy who works the noodle shop, like he talks to his wife or something. Um, and it's an interesting strategy. Like, I don't think it's t- totally um, detrimental to the movie, but I think it does cr- create a sense of the movie being a little bit like baggy, a little bit kind of like it throws off the pacing of the movie and also creates maybe a little bit more of a disengagement from the characters. Though I have to say, given a, the char- main character being so kind of inert and emotionally inert and depressed and kind of in emotional stasis, I think it almost makes sense he has to go in these different directions because I don't really know how you build a movie around a character. I mean, th- this movie to me is like one of the most vivid portrayals of being immensely depressed like I've ever seen in a movie. I mean, that care. I, I, I texted Cameron some meme of just like, you know, basically a meme of just absolute depression and devastation because that's that's the feeling it sort of uh, left me, me with. So, I mean, it's, you know, that doesn't really make the movie sound very appealing to recommend <laughs> to someone. Like, oh yeah, if you can watch it. It'll make you want to kill yourself, you know? But... <laughs> Um, I don't know. It was, it was, it was powerful and it was, um, it was impactful, but, um, maybe just a little bit less than those other ones, I guess. Um, I don't know. What did, what did you think about it, Cameron? Um, well, I, I really enjoy this movie, um, for a couple of reasons. I do think, um, in terms of, I hear what you guys are saying. Okay. I understand. Um, and I, I do agree, actually, Juzo. Um, there is a certain amount of, you know, following these peripheral characters um, that gets a little in the weeds, um, though I do love those scenes, interestingly enough. Like the scene where they're all playing Mahjong and they're kind of describing, um, you know, they're, they're oh, describing yeah. Akiko in, in, you know, not so subtle terms. Like I find that scene to be very... Um, hurtful in a way that's like um, it's like if you're overhearing someone talk about your friend you know Um, Mm -hmm. and then also to realize that that the you know the new husband is is listening in on this too is is very interesting and then obviously like with the 
the ending of this movie, um, there's a certain amount of um, of discord in in sort of how it resolves. Um, it's a very like it's it it's very like you know the the notes don't don't resolve very well. It just it just ends making you feel very um, hurt in a, in a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. But the the reason that I love this movie and the reason why I think um, you know I I wanted to to watch it with with you guys is I think it's of all of his movies. You know, a lot of them are are driven by sort of emotions or driven by this this sort of feeling of family. Um, you know, even Tokyo Story is, is a movie that's very much about how um, how people change in in you know over time. And there's uh, you know the the narrative pulse of those movies are very loose. And I think the thing that this movie has going for it is the the narrative is very very strong, much stronger than. Um, than many of his other movies, and that's not to say those are those are bad either. You know, his it's a different way of him telling a story like this. But I love the sort of web of of finding out all these these new things about this you know this character and you know this family. Um, it's very different from from a movie like Tokyo Story or a movie like Late Spring. You know, finding out you know it's it's a much more dramatic movie in a lot of ways. Um, it has these beats that surprise you um, and kind of keep you hooked, keep you engaged in a way that's very Western, I think. It's not very much like Ozu's other movies. Um, and, and I think he's experimenting in, in a sense with a different storytelling style, him and Kogonoda. So I, I, I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to watch this movie was it, it's kind of a contrast to a lot of the other movies that we that we watched of his, um, you know, just because it's it's very, it's you know, it's written with sort of that dramatic element in mind, that narrative element in mind. Um, so that's kind of I don't know. That's that's one thing that I really enjoy about it, and and why it kind of stands out in my mind as as a movie that um, that I really like. Also. You know, it's. It I think it does have. Um, I I think for me, like, a lot of his movies are very. Um, you know, the pain is under the surface in a lot of ways, and this movie has the, has the painful elements brought, to almost as close as he can. You know, even even with those painful elements he still masks it a bit which is kind of an interesting way to do things he's very you know even with you know later later on with sort of the most dramatic element of the movie um he he doesn't even show you that he kind of he kind of Mm. obscures that and you you find out later um Mm. and i i do think that's another you know another thing that's very classic of of his styling um where he's he's you know shielding the audience from something you know from approaching it directly um and then pulling it out later so those are the things that i really wanted to pick up on in in terms of uh this watch but for me i mean of the of the four that we watched um 
you know, this month. I think this one was the one because I, I, I think I've seen late spring like two or three times. Um, Tokyo Story, I think I watched for two different classes in the same semester. So I, I think I watched really? that twice. Um, uh, it was like a history class and uh, and the Ozu class, I think. So I think I ended up watching that that movie twice. Um, you know, and this one I've I'd only seen once. And and I think out of all three of them. I was probably like hooked most with with this movie again. I feel like it wasn't, hmm. you know, I wasn't sort of wandering off um, on this for viewing the, for this movie. Yeah, on this view. Okay. Yeah. I, so. you know, it's interesting what you brought up about the narrative thing, Cameron, because to me, this film's narrative wasn't like super captivating. I don't know why I didn't feel that way. I mean, like, maybe it is the language barrier and the age, but, like, I'm looking at some of these IMDb re reviews, and they're talking about this movie um, with, like, it being, like, this dark narrative drama on top of Ozu's characteristics. Like, when I think of a dark narrative drama, it's like I think of, like, like waves keeps you on the edge of your seat, you know? Yeah, waves. Uh. And, and and that was the movie I was thinking about with this movie where I was like, this is not, I mean, like maybe it is, some people think that it's what, 1957's Waves, uh, <laughs> you know, but like to me, it's like, it's not that, you know. Dude, and, imagine and if know Ozu dropped I, I Am a God in one of his movies, <laughs> that would be so insane. He would be um, a time traveler, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And that's why that's why I feel like, and maybe it is the like the historical you know time difference, right? Maybe I mean at one point maybe uh, Romeo and Juliet was the waves uh, in the in the in the <laughs> that actually scene, is right, true. yeah, you know. Um, but just I think to in the conversation of like a modern audience, right? Like I think that's where this movie really fumbled for me is that um, not only is it black and white not only is it in a different language <laughs> not only is it long right um is that really still a barrier for you if it's in black and white <laughs> definitely really a hundred percent a hundred percent oh my god i never right. understand that man what the hell's wrong with black and white I like just, i get the subtitles subtitles is challenging it's challenging yeah. you got to read like i, I get so, that i think but black and white what the hell like, well, well so here, here's what i would say about that is that subtitles is challenging and black and white is challenging because when I watch a Korean, like a modern Korean movie, right? It's not black and white, but it, and it seems just yeah. easier to watch. Right. But then like, if I watch something that's um, black and white and in, in English, right. Easy for me to understand. Like it's still difficult to watch, you know, like I, I can watch, um, you know, what, what, what movie like sunset Boulevard. Right. And it's difficult for me to get into it at first for some reason. Uh, some movies <laughs> somehow like can get past that witness for the prosecution, right? The apartment, some uh, even Rear Window, right? Is that black and white? No, I don't I even see. know if it went. Okay, no, right. <laughs> it's, it's not black and white. Um, like there, there are certain certain old movies that are in black and white that still kind of like hook in in you know in a way that. I, I don't know. I just I do I do think I just the black don't and white understand thing is, a, is a barrier. 
Yeah, I mean, I understand it more in terms of like the conventions of movies that happen to be black and white. But I mean, like if you watched a movie now where it was like, uh, like if Nolan made a movie that was entirely in black and white, would it have the same barrier? Or is it maybe more? Just I, because maybe I should rephrase time? it. Maybe it's yeah. it's uh, like a dated theater experience because it's like a sensory, uh, you know, pain to watch some of these movies, right? Um, and I don't think that, uh, I don't think that this movie looks bad, but it is a barrier, right? I, for definitely for only son, when I, when you watch only son, like that movie is hideous and it sounds horrible <laughs> and it just, it's, it's hard to watch. Right. This is coming off the heels of me watching interstellar. Okay. So I don't want to hear it. Right. You watch <laughs> interstellar, your mind is blown, right? Like the visuals, the sound. Everything about it is just like, wow. I have no excuse yes. not to be entertained watching this movie, right? Um, it, here's what it is, Juzo. Here's what it is for Isaac. It's because of the first movie that I ever showed him, uh, you know, for as the pitch for this show was Battleship Potemkin. Okay. That's why he <laughs> hates <laughs> black and white. Was that the first black and white? Maybe it was the first black and white movie you ever saw. No, no I think please. he had seen... White Christmas. It's a Wonderful Life, or, or it's, it's a, a Wonderful yeah, Life, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh wait, you watch the colorized version, dude? You, you're going straight to hell for that. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I think <laughs> colorized you know, movie. Not to not to belabor this, but um, for me, one thing that I love about black and white movies, and maybe this is just my my camera brain, but um, like for me, like I love the high contrast versus the low contrast scenes. I love the sort of for me, like it takes away from the, you know, inspecting the color of of everything and sort of uh, noticing the the color themes of like, you know, a a color movie. This is coming Um, from a colorblind guy, by the way. And it 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 shrinks it to the (laughs) it shrinks it to the sort of the way that people are are contrasted in the scene nobody sees Um, in black and white Cameron I mean yeah I don't see in black and white either okay (laughs) but uh, I don't I don't know I I but when you watch these movies you don't look at like you know when she's walking down the street and there's you know there's she's shrouded in darkness and there's you know the lights like on the side you don't look at that and you're like wow that's that's pretty awesome yeah no no i like i said i think this movie is it 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 is the prettiest ozu film and i have watched black and white movies that i enjoy (laughs) uh but yeah it's definitely a barrier Hmm. um for this film i think the subtitles were a lot harder of a barrier for me like that Hmm. that's where it's like how are you supposed to read and get like the emotional resonance because the performances are so driven on body language and they're, they're not like super expressive, you know, in, in, in moments it's very reserved. Like if you watch, if you watch Korean cinema, like there's like explosive vocal performances on top of movement and on top of the subtitles, it's like all of that kind of plays together. Right. Um, and and it it builds like engagement and this it's it's very like the smallest things i miss as a viewer because i'm trying to read the subtitles and i'm like looking up and down and up and down and it's everything's so subtle 
in this movie that it's mm-hmm. like um I, I I think that is is much harder for me uh with Ozu's movies than than the black and white thing. Although the I, only I, son only son unforgivable. Unforgivable <laughs> viewing experience. I will die on that hill. I'll be like, oh, well, just I I thought it looked okay. I think it's just the sound is really bad because it's like early I mean, really, like early in uh, Japan's sound era, um, but should have watched this it silent. <laughs> I guess you could just with the subtitles. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this I will say I have to say this movie. Um, it felt m- I don't know if there's more dialogue or more exposition, but it felt like there's more than other Ozu movies, which sometimes because I feel like there's some, especially late spring. There's a lot of these kind of silent sequences where you just watch the entire scene is just built around like her expression you know you're not even really right uh, you know i like that where she's riding the bike or where they're at that uh musical show that we all hated um <laughs> like but but this there's a lot of like characters talking about each other and a lot of like kind of i i, I just felt like it was a little bit more expositional than some other stuff so i think that man i that thought could you be would... part of the reason with this subtitles what I thought you guys would like that because <laughs> you guys were complaining, cl- complaining about the, you know, the the dumb music show and and about them staring at each other. I mean, come on. There's a lot you, less. Don't dumb you want stuff drama in this movie? Don't yeah, you want a drama? Lot, there is drama, but it's not like it's not like <laughs> modern drama. I mean, it's well, not like I, you know. I I don't know. Like it's I d- it's, I it's conflicting. It's conflicting for me because yes, sure, this movie could be made. Uh, today and have the same like content and and kind of story beats and it could be like resounding but yeah i don't know like and the more i think about it the more i'm like yeah just like watch waves like if you want tragedy you know, like, that is gonna be like, you can I mean, watch there, that there's one. there's a happy middle ground between the the dramatic heft of waves and and uh, yasujirozu but um I, yeah, I have to kind of. I, I'm a little surprised. Cameras. I mean, I guess you're saying it's dramatic because there are certain moments and certain revelations that are really um, intensely well, are are they dramatic? Are there? Well, that, I, I mean, mean like what... her finding out about the mother. Like there are definitely things. The whole thing about getting an abortion. Like there, there are things that are emotional, dramatic moments. Um, but I have to say that I, I wouldn't say that the movie is like loaded with drama. Like I thought almost for the first hour, I remember looking at the time and saying, wow, that's an hour. Uh, f- nothing's happened in this movie. It's just like absolutely nothing's happened. And I don't mind that. Like I'm okay watching a movie where it's just like set, setting the table, you know, just living a life with the people. But, they but also, I was kind of like, dang, like really, he's really not having much happen. There's like, there's like moments, there's moments in this movie where they're like, there should be a dramatic thing, right? Like the mother is introduced and it's kind of like, who is that random weird person? And like, she goes home and she's like, oh, that's my mother. I just feel it. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. You know, like that's just, there's no intrigue there. Or even the moment where no, she's like. No, she, she doesn't. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. She feels that she could be, but she doesn't know. And then she dismisses yeah. that feeling. I don't know. Like I was kind of like, okay, okay. so that's just been like established. And then there's like the buildup of, she's like, my dad's not even my dad. I'm like, okay, this is getting juicy. And then the mom's like, no, like he is your dad. And But but the dramatic moment there is, is the confrontation, obviously, you know, and that's, that's the, that's what the the buildup is. Also the confrontation is like, 
kind of dumb where she's like, I need to talk to you. And then they go outside. They go outside and she's like, no, I need to go. I need to talk to you in private. I'm like, there's no one here. So they, they take, like, well, the walls like 20, are made of paper. Okay. They, they can hear anything. They can hear everything. They take 20 minutes to go to that guy's shop. It's like, oh, yeah, you can use my back room. Oh, here, wait, let me clean it for you. I'm like, you guys are killing the moment here, you know? And then they sit down and and then the the drama reveal is nah you know like there's like no <laughs> and she's like i hate you and leaves i'm like okay whatever you know i don't know like i i wanted to be shocked more in this movie um <laughs> i honestly think the clinic moment is the most shocking of oh shoot you know like this is happening this is crazy you know? well and then after i think actually what what seals the deal is after the ki- um, oh yeah she, she comes home and she she sees the kid well yeah. it it cuts That's... to the kid right yeah. after which i'm like dang like you know yeah. that 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 was probably the biggest punch for me yeah um, definitely. it wasn't even the ending moment which i think um i wanted more of a crescendo at the ending but instead it just kind of everybody suddenly is gathering at the hospital and you're like wait what so i don't know it I, I I hear what people are saying. Like this is like the darkest movie. Yes, it it is Ozu. This is the darkest, depressing version of Ozu. Like, does that win my vote? Not really. Um, and then people talk about kind of like it being like this cobweb of mystery. I didn't feel no. Like, I wouldn't. I didn't feel mystery in this movie. No, like a, it's a, not nothing, a mystery. Nothing really surprised me in this, you know? And, and when there were moments that were supposed to surprise me, they just kind of dismiss into, you know, the Ozu reaction moment, like the Ozu confrontation moment. And I was like, in the other movies, this confrontation thing is like so rare, uh, you know, that like it, it, like the ending of Tokyo Story, like the moments in 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 uh late late spring right um where like every everything's kind of reserved and then suddenly there's that cut through moment um i didn't i didn't feel like the the cut like the cut through moments in this movie like didn't hit as hard as those other movies for me Mm, there was too much drama we should go back to the old ozu is what you're saying (laughs) no it's it wasn't that it was yeah so go ahead. Was, I feel like you, you you want to say something. Oh no, I just I just felt like it wasn't. I, I think what makes it feel like it's mis, has full of mystery or suspense is just because it's the style of the movie is evoking those kind of like film noir. It's evoking sure, sure. those genres, I think. But I don't think actually the content of the movie, uh, like the story, really was much. It's it wasn't really that suspenseful or or. It's not. I mean, he's not a filmmaker of big revelations of a big like, you know, a character. Oh my god, I can't. Even when she finds out it's the mother, it's not like it's a huge like dramatic moment where she makes like mugging faces. She's just oh so dis, you know. Like it's always like very kind of you know uh, uh, restrained on the part of the characters. Um, but I don't know if I think that's a bad thing. I mean, I, I think it 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 shows the kind of. Uh, emotionally coiled uh, space these people are occupying. Um, and and it makes it so much more powerful when it finally, you know, the emotion 
comes out in these kind of jagged ways as the movie goes on. Um, I don't know. I'm sounding ambivalent about it, or I'm playing. <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 siding with Isaac on things, but like I I thought it was a good movie. Like I I thought it was quite good. I I'm, and I could see myself liking it even more if I maybe if I see it again and I have more of a sense of who everyone is and like what's the yeah know, what what exactly is he going for? Maybe a second viewing would help me. I like I honestly came in being like, what did I feel with that movie? Because when the credits rolled, I was like, okay. And then I got up and and coming into this review and then hearing Cameron give the context, I was like, man, I hate this movie. Like, I just I it was something about it where I was like, is this like my most hated Ozu moment? You know, because the way you're talking about this movie, the way I'm reading reviews about it, it's like I don't I didn't get that, you know, like the and and I don't even want to say I'm the harshest casual. I'm bored viewer anymore, but I definitely felt that way during this movie, you know, Um don't watch I Interstellar think, before this. Movie, I think it's you know? yeah, it's not as good as Interstellar. <laughs> we can agree on that. Um, but few things are. Um, no, I think it's a it's a it's understandable to be a little bit um, have some trouble being emotionally engaged. I think also it's just the movie is is sort of oddly structured in terms of not just the tangential characters, but also. Uh, like who are we exactly following? Sometimes we're following Akiko, but sometimes it seems like the movie is more about Setsukohara. Sometimes it seems like it's about the father. Sometimes even at the end, it almost like feels like, oh, is this movie more about the mother? You know, when she's at the train station. Um, mm, so it, yeah. it kind of um, it's about the noodle shop guy. Who knows? <laughs> you say that jokingly, but like, there's a part of that movie where I was like, he, he was like the most moving character at one point. Like that part where. Because you realize he stayed with her for like hours like that. Yeah. It's actually really touch. And that's actually one of the best examples of him using that kind of tangential structure. Because I was like, man, we're following the noodle shop guy now. But then it's like, (laughs) hey, that was pretty, you know, that was, I get it. Because, you know, by the end, you're like, oh, wow, this guy, he's, you know, he's a real stand up guy, you know, waiting till her, her, uh, her father and her sister get there. Um, And commenting about the boyfriend, too. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah yeah no i mean it was it's uh i don't know I, I i i sort of ended up liking that aspect of it but 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 i think it it does contribute to making the movie not feel like there was a directness of that emotion when i'm watching late spring and i'm watching those i mean really it's about her really you're just watching her you know and um how much you're able to sort of empathize with the character um but tokyo story also yeah. you know has this tangential kind of following multiple characters feel. That's true. Um, and even less of a true sort of... Well, I I think... It, here's the thing about Tokyo Story that is a little bit special. Is it is it kind of... For 90% of the movie, it's very Ozu-like, where you're kind of following the characters and you have this this sort of implied drama that's not really on the surface. Um, and then, you know, for the last 10% of the movie, it's a very, it's a very openly dramatic movie, um, which is kind of, it kind of hits you a little bit different. Um, and, and so I, I do agree. And I think this movie, which does kind of wear a little bit more hard on its, on its sleeve in the, you know, in the form of Akika, who, um, is a very, like you said, Jusa, she's a very depressed character. 
um, and openly so. Um, there is something that that maybe you know holds you back from from fully connecting to her because you already know where she where she's coming from. Um, you already you know in some ways you already know her her motivations. Um, so I understand that, but at the same time, um, man, I I just love this movie. I, there's something there's something about it. I think the look the the feel it gives me depressed. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, this um, is so this is so much Cameron's kind of movie. I will say, uh, yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, oh, Cameron, wouldn't you want to make a movie that looks like this? I mean, you guys are always a little Ozu esque, you and King. Oh yeah, with your filmmaking, but yeah, like, this to me is like the vibe, you know, like it really is. Yeah, this I, is this is what 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 drives my my feelings. You know this this image of Akiko in in the cafe holding a cigarette, <laughs> you know, crying. Yeah. Ugh, just that is, that's, that's the, that's the shot. I mean, I agree. On. I mean, I agree with you. The look is, is definitely there. I want to talk about some things I do like about the film. Cause I'm, I feel <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just vamping up angst at this point. <laughs> you know, if you love this movie, I'm sorry. You know, I, I don't mean to offend you. Here were moments I liked. I loved the, the, the shot after the clinic on the baby. That was like one of the most jarring, emotional. It just feels like trippy. There's something about it that's just like resounding emotional discomfort in that moment. Um, I think the scene on the train with the mom looking out the window was just like riveting. Mm -hmm. I felt like that scene. I was like, wow, this is I I feel so much of her emotion looking out that window. Like I just want to keep looking out the window with her. Right. Um, that that scene really hit me um, good and then uh, obviously the look and feel of the film um, there are certain there's there's a moment where the dad gets home after the two sisters like have unveiled a bunch of stuff I don't remember what I th- or it's about mom it's about the mom right Mm-hmm. And she goes downstairs to confront him at the door and the way that he like turns around and is like, what is it? And what, and then like, there's just silence, like that kind of like awkward, like, you know, that's very, that's like an Ozu moment that you kind of expect like everything to come out all over the, like, you know, that he has those moments where like everything kind of hits the fan, mm-hmm. uh, but then nothing happens. And that that's like a really interesting subversion uh, after watching a lot of Ozu because I was like, oh, I really thought that was going to be the bomb going off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of set up to do that, and then nothing happens, and it kind of feels like that. Maybe that's part of the reason that it's like, okay, this drama is like doesn't. It, there's not the the narrative drama like isn't satisfying. It's not. It's not juicy for me you know it's not gone girl you know it's not like <laughs> it's not it's not doing that thing for me right um because i uh, and and again like we're talking about how this movie could be mo- shown to the modern audience audience like i could totally see this movie being like an hbo miniseries right or but it would be nothing like this right it would it would be much more like every reveal has you lean in right every reveal has you you're like oh my goodness like 
this is this is just ramping up to something um and we've seen plenty of dramas like that so maybe that's the credit to this film is that it's unlike those it's unlike the modern thing um well, it's also willing to show an inactive character, too. That's the other thing. Is if you did a series about this, you'd have to make Akiko a more active, like, a protagonist with more of, like, a what does she want? What is she trying to achieve? What do you mean? And she wants to find her boyfriend. Well, <laughs> That's yeah. That's what she wants the whole movie. Uh, this movie has a... This what movie has a willingness to, to, at the core, really be about a person. Is that who's really just, what she wants? No, I mean, not at all. Not at okay. all. Okay, of course. No, she's really just like aimless, and like, and that's what's kind yeah. of. I think that's what's both frustrating and powerful at the same time about the movie is that you're just like, <laughs> oh my god, like this person is just like so so broken and and um, depressed and and. Um, and not getting the help that she needs, really, or the support that she needs. I know you um, didn't mean it like this, but it sounded like um, a reviewer who didn't want to offend someone. <laughs> what do you mean? Wait, 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 it's both. You know, you said it's both frustrating and and powerful. You know, <laughs> you know, like that means you actually hated it. Okay. No, <laughs> no, that's right. No, no oxymoron I, reviews. Isaac gives no. this movie zero out of ten. Garbage. <laughs> Don't watch it. You know, well, there's I, no the, gray area. The th- the thing that I will say that sort of leans me in the fact that I think this I think this movie does have very much of a dramatic pulse, much more than the rest of his, a lot of the, his other movies, um, is that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm watching in the living room and Keanu comes and sits down and maybe she just picked the most dramatic moments, but, but, you know, I kind of filled her in a little bit and, and she was like, ah, there's, you know, like she, she was in, I think when, when like she's talking to the boyfriend about how she's pregnant, you know? So, you know, there's these, like, there's these moments where, you know, I think, she's never seen an Ozu movie before, you know, but she was like hooked because of the, because of the scene, because of what was happening. So, um, Mm. I do think there is, there is a bit more than just his standard fare of, you know, wandering from, from scene to scene, um, not aimlessly, but wandering, you know, and kind of the, the narrative is sort of loosely constructed based on, on thematic, pulse rather than dramatic pulse um Mm -hmm. this movie i think has has much more of a um you know it's got some it's got some more um life in it in terms of of the narrative for me to that i mean to that viewing experience like if i got to watch it the way that kiana did with just the fill-ins i would probably be like wow this is dramatic you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah actually, i missed that first hour where nothing happened yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like i think i think that would have been a better i would have been like yeah this movie's seeping you know this is this is some this is some good stuff you know but uh i had to sit through it so it didn't feel that way can, can i talk about the the uh train thing really quick also because yeah that was like my favorite. That might be my favorite part of the movie, actually. Yeah. My favorite scene in the movie. I, I thought um, just because I felt like he was using the conventions of what you expect in a scene like that. In most, I just to me, when you watch that, you imagine most American movies. <laughs> it would be yeah. Seth Kohara shows up, and you get like a tear in your eye, like oh, she came to see her off at the station. And I feel like he's almost using the fact that you're 
you want that and you you expect that catharsis and then denying it it really like puts you in the shoes of that character of how much she wants it to happen she's even wiping the water off of the thing so she can see her if she does arrive and then of course she doesn't um i don't know that that had i don't know it, it, it taps into like something very real which is like you want something in your real life to happen that you've seen in the movies and then usually in real life it doesn't it doesn't happen um and it's you know it's very subtle how he's able to achieve that but it it's it's quite impactful i think best part I, I like how i like how he plays with the abandonment too um you know there's kind of oh, a, sure. there's almost yeah, like a revenge point. element yeah. to that where you know and he the the father even asks, like, you're not going to see your mother off, you know? Yeah. And, and she changes the subject, but I think it's, it's very much implied that, um, yeah, there's this, there's this heartbreak that still is, is deep. Um, oh yeah, no, it's, it's a great scene. It's a, it's a really great scene. Well, should we do a little bit of retrospective on it? Uh, Ozu, I want to hear from Juzo. What are your thoughts on this director now that you've been forced to watch it just like I have? <laughs> well, I will confess to doing something that uh, I I I did earlier this morning or yesterday. Um, I hadn't done for Ozu before, which is I I do this for many directors who I'm interested in, where I create a list of where all his movies are, <laughs> where I can watch them which is basically a sign that I have a plan that I'm going to watch all of his movies. And I don't know if he was someone who I ever was like thinking I would want to, I was interested in watching all of his movies, but at a certain point, maybe it was after watching Tokyo story, I guess that was yesterday. Yeah. Um, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm making the list. I got to find out. Luckily all you can watch. And Isaac, this is good news for you. You, you can watch 28. No, you can watch 32 of his 33 movies on the Criterion channel. Um, so, you and know, on HBO Max, out. too. Some of them on HBO, yeah. yeah. And then the one and then the one other one that's um, not available on Criterion is on YouTube. So, um, What's that one? That's I think it's called available. Days of Youth. It's, the, it's his earliest oh, surviving movie. Right, um, right. Not all his movies survive. Some of them are lost. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm definitely curious to watch more of his movies. I don't... Me making the list doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to watch. I mean, there's plenty of people whose lists I've made, you know, eight years ago. I haven't watched other movies, but um, I don't know. It's funny because I have the same experience each time I watch them, which is, oh, God, I got to watch this. You know, I'm like dragging my feet and, you know, for half an hour. I'm like, oh, my God, there's no way I'm getting through this, especially this one. I was like, this is two hours and 20 minutes. Like, this is going to be a nightmare. Um, And then it's always sort of brings you in i have to say this one maybe didn't quite as much as the other two uh recent ones but um it's still like once you get into that stuff with the the, you know the realize the mother and the daughter that sort of thing um it uh, i don't know it 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 pays off your uh, your patience so I'm, i'm i'm definitely curious to also he has a movie called floating weeds that has a full length um roger ebert commentary I think mm. on Criterion as well uh, and on a DVD. So I, I definitely would like to, to watch that. Curious to watch his movies in color. It's, I'm, I so think of 
him in connection with black and white. It, it, it'll be interesting to see that kind of aesthetic uh, translate into an era of color. But it's a very different experience in a lot of ways because um, yeah. his his movies are still very um, <laughs> uh, understated, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then the color. I mean, the way that they were doing it, I think back then was um, was the um, I forget what it's called, but you know they have the the tricolor um, cameras and oh you know, three they, strip Technicolor. Yeah, or? I think yeah, yeah. T- Technicolor. I think is is this movie. So it looks it looks like those color movies in the fifties where it's like very um, very bright and very kind of. <laughs> oh, it's a great, um, beautiful look. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a little interesting. Like my my I think my favorite of his color movies is An Autumn Afternoon, which is his last his last movie um that would have been the other one that we would have watched this week um so you know i would i would if you're itching for another ozu movie this week jizo i would give that one a try because um there's a lot of fun it's it's much more of a hangout movie it's it's very fun it it more follows chichu rio and kind of his his post-war buddies um it's it's really interesting so yeah Oh, and I, that's the other thing is I just like totally have fallen in love with him and Setsuko Hara yeah. as actors. Like, I just think they're two of the most lovely, um, warm presences I've ever seen in a movie. I really just think it's such a pleasure to watch them on screen. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm pro Ozu. I, I again, I it makes me very sad. I wish I could have you know raised my fist against Cameron for him <laughs> trying to indoctrinate us. But um, no, I've I've fallen for the conditioning, and I'm I'm <laughs> as brainwashed as he is into being pro Ozu. Yeah, I think it's um it's rare for us to get to the end of a director's month without like me finding some kind of drive or love for the director. And I find Ozu to be probably one of the most difficult that we've tackled on this show. Um, and it's not against Cameron's programming. I actually think he did a great job with this month. Um, these four films to get into Ozu, like I think you'll learn really quickly what you're getting into. Um, I don't recommend, uh, again, I keep saying it, but I don't recommend watching these movies back to back. Um, I do think they kind of blurred together. Um, Tokyo Story was definitely my favorite. Uh, I re- I related the most with it, and it kind of resounded with me um, the most. Although The Only Son, even though I hate the way it looked and watched, um, I, I liked its sim- simplicity. Uh, I was probably the most wrong about Late Spring. Um, I'm aware of that. I think I'm I might have a godfather relationship with that movie where it's like I understand it but I don't feel it and I probably need a second viewing. Um Tokyo Twilight just you know knocked me out for good, you know. The bell <laughs> the bell rang and I was like I can't <laughs> I can't get up, you know. And I, I, it made me think about like is this is he one of the directors that just like it just isn't going to come together for for me. Um, this is probably the most educated on cinema I've ever been. This is the most educated on cinema I've ever been. Um, yeah, I, d- I just don't know if it clicks for me. Those who, I don't know if I'm that much of a student of, of cinema. Like I can't, 
I can't separate my modern viewership, you know? I think I would take this in a heartbeat over anything French. Um, <laughs> please, you know? Oh, but, true. Um, true. I, I just, I can't say that I will watch an Ozu movie. On your like, own. Anytime soon. This, I will say, like, wa- watching watching him, watching something in color, like, there might be, I could totally see myself uh, watching the autumn movie you're talking about. I don't know what it is. I'm sure I would hate it, but there's... No, I no, could, no. I, I, I think, here's, here's my, here was my challenge programming this, this last week, right? I think, because based on what we talked about, you know, especially last week, I think you would have liked an autumn afternoon a lot more than Tokyo Twilight. And I mm. knew that going into this week. But for me, it was a hard decision because it's like, um, I think an autumn afternoon is so much more um, loose in a lot of ways um, that it's hard for me to talk about it without covering a lot of the same ground that we've we've talked about it. But in yeah. a lot of ways, it's a much more enjoyable movie. It's very interesting and fun. Um, in a lot of ways. I mean, there's, it's obviously still an, still a nosy movie. So, um, but, but it has that feeling of like, you know, like half the scenes are him at a bar, Chishu Rio at a bar with his friends, you know? So there's like, there's <laughs> nice. something about it where it's like, it, it feels fun. It's a fun hang in, in some ways. Um, and I knew Tokyo Twilight was going to be <laughs> more of a, challenging movie just just based on its subject matter but i also thought i thought the dramatic hook would have would have pulled you guys in so i'm a little surprised that it didn't it didn't get you but i can i I can understand it i can understand i think this this poses isaac's comments um of making me think of two challenges for myself which are one can i pick um a director not not a director i hate a director i like who Isaac hates more than Ozu. And can I pick a, a French, can I pick four French movies that Isaac likes more than uh, Ozu? I think I could succeed on both accounts. I mean, like, okay, would I, I'd probably watch Playtime before another Ozu movie. Right? Oh, okay. So, Playtime's great. I mean, Playtime. And, and I didn't like yeah. it the first time I watched it, you know? So I, I'm sure that I'll come around to that one. Um, most other French cinema, I was like, I was feeling, I was feeling like the daughter that you know wants to jump, <laughs> you know, like I just, uh, no, I could find, I could find you some good friends. What's that somewhere. movie that we watched, Cameron, about like the kid in France? Oh man, I hated that movie. Oh, four hundred blows. Yeah, four hundred. Yeah. Oh gosh, four hundred. That's a great blows. film. I like that way better than <laughs> absolute trash. I mean, I mean like. It's like yeah. purgatory. I feel like I could like imagine that movie, like the way that they film the camera, like at the building tops in that movie. Like, it's like, I, that's hell. That is hell. You know, like, I don't want to watch that. Okay. But did you hate that more than breathless? Well, <laughs> breathless at least was like, Oh, come on. Like, <laughs> can I give, this was horrible, but it was at least like, why did he just commit crime? Like, I don't even know what's going on, you know? Like, in a way, Breathless is so weird, it's almost kind of compelling to watch. But I, I was going to say, a fun fact about Breathless, my favorite director, what I think is the greatest director alive right now, 
is currently making a film about the making of Breathless, and he's making it in the style stop. of he's doing it in French Just in the style of Jean Luc Godard. Just don't. So I, I think I texted Cameron. I said this is the real life unstoppable force meets immovable object. Like who's oh. gonna win out? Richard Linklater and his greatness <laughs> as a director, oh, no. or making a movie in the style of Godard? I mean. I oh. think I think it's I think it's going to be great. My prediction is it's going to be awesome. This is far beyond what the public could imagine. People who this are is, into this is what talk the about. public wants. This is what I want. <laughs> I want Richard Linklater making a movie in French. I don't think I've ever seen anything. I don't know anything about Richard Linklater. You have seen one of his movies called Dazed and Confused. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's oh no, <laughs> even worse. This I is why he's the like... greatest. Have no, seen... he's gonna he's gonna be my pick. Have you seen Boyhood? No, I don't want to watch that. That you're going to watch it. You're going to watch it. Please, no. It's, no, you're going to watch it. <laughs> Jesus, Dude, I'm going to do... Saw, sorry, you saw The Redoubtable, right? Or it's called Godot. Oh, I'm yeah, that's now, a good movie. Yeah, I like that's that. A funny, yeah. That's a funny, funny movie about... We saw um, it together at the Embarcadero. Oh, yeah, was, you're right. We yeah. had a blast watching okay, it. I just want to say, Tokyo Twilight, I, I was just reading an article uh, from the... What is this? BFI? Mm-hmm. Top 10 Ozu movies... Yet Tokyo Twilight's not even on this list, so I think no, it's kind of a very canonical hipster. You're kind of a hipster, Cameron. I am. No, no I know this. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a real. I I think more people talk about Good Morning and Autumn Afternoon and yeah, um, maybe even some of the other Floating Weeds. You know, like those are the ones I had heard of. Selfish, selfish teacher, just like my college history teacher that made us made us read uh, People's History of America. As okay, this was like three uh, that, for I mean, you guys and one for me. Okay, <laughs> like what am I? What am I supposed to say? I'm, you I'm know? happy to watch it. Like half the movies, half the Ozu movies I like aren't the like you know canon ones, but like I'm I'm like yeah. That that's awesome. why we changed the description, Cameron. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, that's true. Point. It's true. <laughs> I will say Tokyo Story is. Was number four on every tw- every ten years they do the greatest of all time films poll, and Tokyo Story was voted the fourth greatest film of all time, and I would say that is not, I would not <laughs> consider Tokyo Story or any Ozu movie to be the fourth greatest film ever made. Um, in fact, I wouldn't put them in my top hundred probably, but but I did still like it. I still liked it. Well, it, at number at number five is another movie that you hate that I also really love, which is what? In the Mood for Love. No, but, I don't hate it In the Mood. I just think it's fine. I, don't, I just do not. Juzo, I'm looking at the Boyhood poster. I'm feeling sick. Like I'm feeling like actually <laughs> dude, like get ill. It. Dude, dude, Boyhood, I'm, that was a seminal moment in my life. I'm feeling really dude. ill looking at this. I mean, dude, just, just... I think even, you would like Boyhood. I think you would like it. I really... the reviews, I mean... Dude, that movie was it took first of all it took 12 years to make. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. But Yes, um, I'm aware. That, it's the only thing people start the reviews with. Oh my no, gosh, no, no. 12 years of production. No. Throw no, me it's, off a bridge, you know. Dude, uh, it was it was dude, Richard Linklater is the goat. To I me, be, he, there is no one. He is the man. Let's look and at this guy, all right? This we're full we need to wrap this do, up, but I'm I, I, Cameron I, is going to make he's asking me to program it's going to be this man. It's going to be Richard. Here, where's my film? Here's his films. All 23 (laughs) of them or whatever. We're going to be watching this guy's movie. He made the animated style movies that you really hate. You know, the Apollo 10 and a half. Um, We won't necessarily watch that. 
Uh, um, but yeah, he 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 created not created, but he he was one he was one of the earliest adopters of rotoscoping. Did he really do Spy Kids? Is that true? No, no. He's, okay. He just he, he play, He's an actor in it. Um, no, but he he directed School of Rock. I don't know if you've seen that. Yes, I've seen that. Okay. Well, I would watch School of Rock for the uh, for this, by the way. Um, what and then the before last, last flag flying is that good? Great movie, great movie. Yeah, great Cranston, great uh, Steve Carell. Yeah, very sad movie. That looks kind of good. Yeah, I'm trying to look. I'm trying to look at this and be like, what looks good on this list? Bernie, <laughs> I think I think you would enjoy Bernie. Where <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've always Black. I've actually always wanted to see Bernie. We'll, I, we can, not, we'll I'll I'll put Bernie on the list. Yeah, um, I've, but I've always wanted to see that. But we're gonna definitely do. <laughs> what? I thought you're trying to make him hate Linklater. <laughs> no, <laughs> more I'm, than Ozu. <laughs> That no, was that your, wasn't. That was your goal. Well, I, that was unintentional because he just pivoted to hating. You know, no, we were talking about Linklater because he's directing a movie about Godard. That was the only reason. I don't. I um, don't hate. I don't hate Ozu. I, I, I just. But you said he's one of your least favorite of our directors. Yes. Studies, which is yes. for makes me want to. I'm not saying this will be my first outing as a getting to pick a whole month. Like I'll, I, I would rather pick a director I actually like. Um, but at some point, it'd be interesting to see if I could pick someone who. The, though, okay, here's here's the question to you, Isaac. Okay. Yes. You. This was challenging. I knew this was going to be a challenging month going into it. <laughs> Do you was what was your picture of Ozu when I told you it was jo- boring Japanese family dramas? What was it before, and what is it now? Has it improved or has it had has it disimproved i think the saddest thing about the ozu month is it's pretty much what i thought it was gonna be (laughs) i mean there really isn't anything surprising about about these films you know i think the best the best part about them is how there's like a there is some of his movies have like this heartfelt human serene thing about them like they're very like they they can they seem incredibly grounded and deal with a very modern human element um, that I just, I feel like most films couldn't capture what he does during, especially during this time period. Um, and, and I think that's what, I think we've had modern movies now do that and mix in drama or action or, or something that really engages you. Right. But that just seemed to be his full MO was just committing to that sort of thing and 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 when i look at some of the other directors and and kind of those human moments that slow down in these movies that are just wildly western hyper you know hyper attention span focus like the the moments that ozu perfected and 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 really just aimed all of his efforts towards are some of my favorite moments in these comically action-packed you know, Western films that now the whole world enjoys, you know, it's those small, like human interactions that, uh, resound in, in popular modern movies. And it's pretty crazy that that's all he could focus on in the past. He was kind of ahead of his time in a lot of ways, but, um, it doesn't change the fact that a lot of modern Western movies, um, have the spirit of Ozu in them and totally nail it and, and deliver 
an, a, like an above average viewing experience, like a, an incredible viewing experience. And we've watched plenty of those on, on this podcast. So Where you, I think, I, I think waves is a really good example of that. Just, just yeah. to put it out there, but um, you, waves you think is an example of a no Ozu he, inspired or you no, about? he's, he's oh, just okay. talking about the sort of the emotions, um, you know, that sort of emotional family drama that's taken to a level where it's it's engaging and and um you know it's it it takes it takes the ozu formula in some ways and and kicks it up a notch to yeah like it. like what i would say is waves isn't ozu but the park bench scene is ozu you know like that's they're, actually they're, fair that's you know really like fair. that that's what i'm talking yeah. about is that like modern movies have these um distilled human emotional home runs and that's like all ozu cared about in his in his work right um it just made me like closing out this conversation it made me think about like who are my favorite directors from our our um kind of exploration and how do they relate with uh with with ozu as well but juzo go ahead well well one guy i was thinking of actually who uh, i he's coming to mind a lot watching these movies is Scorsese because I think that he in the last couple of years in particular I feel like has been kind of um bringing in some of those Ozu qualities particularly with I think with Silence and The Irishman um yeah, exactly. he's been adopting yeah. a quieter like that last 30 minutes The Irishman definitely feels like it has that kind of um you know not moving the camera very much very still, very quiet. That that quality of transcendental cinema that Paul Schrader writes about, where it's like you sort of you deny the audience the typical elements of filmmaking to make them kind of lean in and uh, really kind of uh, grab their attention with these very very subtle and quiet moments. Um, and it's interesting for Scorsese as someone so bombastic through much of his career and so couldn't be the the polar opposite i mean who moves the camera more than scorsese um for most of his career it's interesting to see him as an older person kind of bringing in those qualities um and i also speaking of schrader he'd be an interesting person to watch in connection with ozu because he um his probably his two best and most well-known movies are one is a japanese language movie set in japan that's very very bombastic couldn't be more different than an ozu movie really colorful and kind of uh, almost uh kaleidoscopic and then his other is a is an american movie that's done in the sort of transcendental very still quiet style and um they're both great movies um so he'd, he'd be with someone worth checking out as well well yeah i yeah i i think that kind of closes most of my thoughts on Ozu, just in terms of this podcast and the directors we viewed. Um, Ozu got me thinking about like great moments like that where I described uh, sort of like the human heartfelt slow moment. And it's, and to me, I want to differentiate. It's not the quirky, awkward, like intentionality. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of modern directors could learn from Ozu. I think they need, they need to watch this kind of stuff because 
if they don't, we'll get more stuff like everything everywhere. Um, everything you know. everywhere, just catching strays this week. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, the the director I thought about the most in in comparison to um, Ozu, or not really in comparison, but sort of in contrast, and someone that I've just continually grown with this scary respect is uh, David Fincher. I can't stop thinking about Fincher movies, and the the example the examples that i'm thinking of in relation to kind of like my my theory to close out ozu's thing is is like what what are my favorite moments in 7 i actually caught myself watching them on youtube when we were watching ozu i had a moment a few uh a few weeks ago where i was like juliana you got to watch this library scene and we're just <laughs> sitting there watching the library yeah. scene yeah i'm like this is like oh yeah the moment in this movie and I'm reading the comments on on uh, YouTube, and all the comments are like, I, I can't stop thinking about this scene. Like, this scene is like, this is, it's like, it's it does something to you. I don't know what it is. Um, but, th- like, those are my favorite moments in Seven. It's not the reveals of the crime. It's not even the, I mean, the dramatic moment, that's not why you come back to the movie, right? It's the sitting at the dinner table, seeing Morgan Freeman talk, um, to Brad Pitt and his wife, right? Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. And they're just sitting there, and the train goes by, and they have that very human moment, right? That that's like Ozu like laid the groundwork for that, right? But it's not. He, I don't think he nailed it. But Fincher does, right? Fincher does <laughs> take that to the next level. So, um, yeah, it's just it's kind of stuff like that. And I know I brought up Gone Girl, um, even you know even. Zodiac, I think, has some really cool moments in it where you're kind of just with the characters and having that human stuff. I think that's what makes the social network punch you in the gut anyways. So, um, hmm. I'm talking yeah. about someone who brought in Ozu into his career, Richard Linklater. Another person very inspired by Ozu, I think, in many ways. So you have that to look forward to. <laughs> well... <laughs> With that, we are closing out, finally, our Ozu Month. I hope you all enjoyed it. Get me out. I know I did. I loved watching all these movies again. Truly, one one thing, <laughs> I don't even say this ironically, because I, I do actually genuinely love these movies. Um, uh, one thing that I've always loved about Ozu movies, um, they're very... In a, in a lot of ways, they're very serene, and I like to put them on. Um, they're great January movie months, okay? Because I like to put them on when it's cold. You know, you bundle up in a blanket, you have some tea. You know, they're just they feel that like for me, they're like a warm, a warm blanket. Um, and I genuinely love these movies. So, um, thank you for indulging me on this month. And next month. Maybe we'll watch something more engaging <laughs> for Isaac. He needs his his brain. He needs his his Gen Z brain stimulated. Okay, so. <laughs> I was I was gonna pick the third man or something like that, but <laughs> whatever. Man, I, I already I realized I watched another movie, uh, but I'll save it for next week. <laughs> I don't know. We gotta end this show. Um, yeah, no, I think Ozu will be definitely referenced a lot on this show moving forward. Um, mm. So 
there's at least that to his credit. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll come around to to enjoying him at some point. But you know who's another one that I think is like that for you, Isaac, who you know you actually come back to a lot and who also has these sort of human elements um, and dramatic elements though. You, you, I'm sure you like his movies much more than Ozu's movies. Billy Wilder, I think is someone who, uh, who we reference a lot on this show. Um, And he kind of, he kind of has this, obviously he has very silly movies, but I think in some ways, some of his movies are very Ozu-like, um, you know, like I think The Apartment is is one that's that's very it has this sense of the drama isn't, you know, what's what's interesting about the movie. It's the human connection, the human mm. element. Um, yeah, May, I mean, maybe I, I think Wilder is in that similar period for me, just being black and white but there's something about it that feels much more western um i think that's what makes the apartment stand out is that it intentionally is like it like does this sort of marinating thing um that other movies during that time i mean like some like it hots a year before right it couldn't (laughs) Mm -hmm. be any different you know (laughs) yeah Um, so i i don't i don't know it's um and like witness for the the prosecution that that is like the drama that I'm yeah like I'm I, I wanted like the twists and turns and the cobweb that then this movie I didn't even get that vibe from what we just watched so um yeah I don't know I I think I see what you're getting I think particularly the apartment is the western um Ozu home run kind of thing going on um, love that movie. You should definitely watch that movie. Um, but yeah, it, it, it will be cool to reference him moving forward as we continue uh, to watch more directors and, and movies and things like that. But Cameron, thank you for putting together that. I mean, this is probably a tough, uh, a fun month to teach, but a, a tough one to program as well. Um, so I appreciate yeah, you, you just complaining it. about the movies for four weeks, you know, Oh my goodness. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that is come on i mean we we have to i i wasn't just gonna i i have to kick and scream a little bit you know i, I was I'm, expecting i was expecting a lot more kicking and screaming i'll be honest so i think i did pretty good you know i, I want to so pat too. myself on the back i think i'm gonna have some ice cream after this okay do it yeah. do it so. now we're out now we're out of ozu month and um, <laughs> we'll see where we go next. Juzo's uh, like, I feel yeah. nothing. I this is good, you know. No, I, <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. I dug these movies, man. This is. Beautiful. I always this knew Juzo was ideas. gonna like was gonna like Ozu movies. So you know, I did. I, <laughs> yeah, and I did think late spring Juzo's reaction to late spring made me hate it more. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I was like, was if beautiful. Juzo comes back and says like, this is like amazing. I was like, I, I just can't. And and you were right. You. Were we're right, but I just can't do it. You yeah, know? That movie rocked. It's the best movie I've watched for the first time so far this year. All right. So, yeah. Great, great, uh, great experience. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, these, he was giving, he was inspiring me because I was, it was taking me back. Actually, I'm not even joking about the Linklater comparison. Like, it's actually the feeling I had when I first saw Linklater, which was, 
it's not it's it's maybe a bit naive to say oh i could do this you know like i could make movies like this but sort of saying like oh a movie can be about something this small like it does you don't need to have the pyrotechnics whether emotional or literal uh in, in a movie to be dramatic and compelling and emotional it can be something so so kind of minimal um i think i think link later in america and ozu in japan are both people who are like trying to make movies within those very small human scales and and i I really appreciate that. I, I mean, I like I like the big scale. I like Christopher Nolan. I like Spielberg. But I also like seeing someone who can really tell so much with so little. So it's it's been a pleasure. And I'll, I'll be watching more. All right. And with wow. that, we post every Tuesday. We're going to wrap it up. We will catch you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.